We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. And the series continues, The Church. We've talked about what it is. We've talked about what it's not. The videos have been pretty eye-opening, a little funny, but yet they portray many things that we as Western Christians think we need to see or have in the church of Jesus Christ. And we forget what the church really is and what God has called us to do. So take your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20 for our text. The Word says these things. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So as we read our text this morning, we see that Jesus is prophesying the foundation and the formation, the life of what we call the church. I'm not going to go back over the previous two messages, but Anne referred to it this morning. The church really isn't a church, it's an ecclesia. The called out ones, those who are identifying for a common purpose and a common cause under the banner of Jesus Christ. You know, when I think about the church, it's really amazing that Jesus trusted a group of disgruntled, discouraged dropouts to form the church of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, we talked in April and the 1st of May about the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ and what happened to those disciples during that 40 days, how He taught them about the kingdom of God. But when you turn to Acts chapter 1, which is the story of the last day of Jesus on earth, you'll find that the disciples are right back into that routine of not really understanding the previous 40 days and the teachings of Jesus. Because their question in Acts 1 verse 6 is, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They didn't get what he was saying. They didn't understand. And as I watch these church hunter videos, I have to think there's a lot of us in the same boat today. We don't get what Jesus is saying about his church. So when we read the scripture in Acts chapter 1, we see that Jesus said, when you wait for the promise of the Father, you'll receive power, verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's interesting to me that when Jesus told him these things, he was not only talking about how the church was going to come about, but the power that would be in the church as a result and what that effect would be. Today is Mission Sunday here at Christian Heritage. It's also Pentecost Sunday on our Christian calendar. And we recognize this day as the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon those 120 in the upper room. It's a day of great significance. And it's a day for you and I to understand the church is only the church when it flows in the power of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, I pastored a church in Topeka, Kansas. And I don't know if you're aware of the history of Pentecost in the last century. 
But in 1901, on January 1st, a little girl going to Bethel Bible College, which was located at 17th and Stone in Topeka, Kansas, was challenged to discover what is the initial physical evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Her name was Agnes Osmond. And that challenge was fulfilled when on January the 1st, 1901, she was filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in another language that she had never learned. You know, I knew the history. So when I went to Topeka, I went to that site, and I was really surprised to see there was a Catholic church on the site there at 17th and Stone. So I called and made an appointment to meet the priest there at that church. Went over and visited with him, asking him if he knew the history of his property and how that pertained to the Pentecostal church today. He did not. So I gave him the story, filled him in, how that William Parham had established a Bible school there and how the Holy Spirit in this century was poured out uh, for the first time in decades and even years. And he gave me permission to come and visit his place as often as I wanted, to pray at that place as often as I wanted. Listen, folks, there's something we need to appreciate about our history and about our past and recognize it's from there we can build our faith and believe God for greater things today. So when I read Acts chapter 1 verse 8, I realize Jesus is prophesying the formation and the actual impetus behind his church and what's going to happen. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you can turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and he says it this way. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to take you back in history just a bit. Back to Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus chapter 19, the Israelites had been delivered from Egypt. They were following God. They arrived at the wilderness of Sinai and Mount Sinai. It's there on Mount Sinai that God appeared to Moses and gave him the law. And when you read Exodus chapter 19, you realize that was really the formation of the nation of Israel at that point in time. God instructed them. God spoke to them. God gave them the law. And in that instance, you'll see the Bible says that when God appeared to Moses, it was with lightning and thunder, with a great storm. When God appeared to the children of Israel, it was as a fire. So now make the jump to Acts chapter 2 and recognize that when God chose to form His church and give them power, He came with the same signs, with a rushing mighty wind, with fire that set upon each one of them. Oh, hear me, friend. What He did once, He did again because God wants to reveal Himself to those who want to follow Him. Same is true for you and I today. Church shouldn't be... Dry, dull, and boring. Church shouldn't be about the coffee and the Wi-Fi. Church shouldn't be about just coming to meet my friends. But when we gather together as the ecclesia, it should be to experience the power of a living God. And I've got news for you. If you and I don't live and work and, and respond in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we are actually no different than any other club, meeting, or gathering happening in the world today. What distinguishes the church of Jesus Christ, what makes us the ecclesia, is the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. So if we're going to be the church, we've got to live by His power. 
Not by our own knowledge, not by our own education, not by our own intellect, not by our own gifts, but by the power of God. And with that, we come to know and understand that the church is inclusive of all races, all colors, all creeds, our languages. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19, Jesus told his disciples, go make disciples of all nations. That word is specific, it's particular. It's there for a reason. Because to that point, God had only been poured out or displayed or shown to the Israelites, the Hebrews. But God is saying, my plan is a lot bigger than that. Aren't you glad God's plan is a lot bigger than white middle class America? God's plan is a lot bigger than a black church on the south side. God's plan is a lot bigger than a group of Hispanics gathering to worship Him. God's plan is a lot bigger than the folks in China exalting the name of Jesus. It's all nations. All nations. That's the church of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, what did Jesus said? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria. Samaria is there for a reason. Do you understand? Samaria was a completely different culture, a completely different people group, a bunch of half-breeds in the Jews' eyes. But God was saying, I'm sending my son for them as well. So those of you who look down your noses at other people groups, you need a change of attitude. You need a change of heart. You need to find a place and ask God to forgive me for being prejudiced and bigoted and allow me to reach all nations for you. You can say, amen or oh me, I don't care. But it's absolutely the truth. We have got to learn that the gospel, the church, is for all nations. And when the ecclesia operates in the power of God, then we see all nations come to us. And when we operate in the power of God, He enables us to dream big, to think big, to believe that God can fill arenas and stadiums, to believe that God can heal and deliver and even raise the dead. When we believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, God does mighty things. He enables us to dream big. What does Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 say? Remember ye not the former things, nor consider the things of old, because I'm doing a, somebody say it with me, new thing. New thing. Oh, come on, church. If you're tired, if you're bored, if you think church is mundane, then you need to start praying, God, do a new thing in me. You be the spark of revival. You be the spark of the Holy Ghost. No, we lay it on the pastor. We lay it on the elders and the deacons. I'm telling you, God is laying at your doorstep because he said you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's all of our responsibility. Enabling us to dream big and believe big. So secondly, we need to understand that when we are the church of Jesus Christ and we're flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit, it enables us to pray big prayers. Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. I'll read them in just a second. Previously in that chapter, the chapter previous, the lame man had been healed. Many people were coming to Christ. The sick were being healed. And the, the religious council decided this wasn't right. So they called the apostles before them and they banned the name of Jesus. They said, you will no longer speak, teach, or preach in the name of Jesus. It's outlawed in Jerusalem. And this is the prayer that they prayed when they gathered back together. Acts 4, 29. Lord, look on their threats. 
Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Oh, come on, folks. There are folks that want to shut down Christianity, but I've got news for you. We serve a God who fills His church with boldness, who enables us to go and be and do the embodiment of Jesus Christ to touch those who are lost and dying and hopeless and helpless with a message of life. So we need to step out and believe that we can pray big prayers when we are the church, the ecclesia of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most amazing things to me is that we sell God short in what God is able to do. We don't give Him enough credit. We don't give Him enough opportunity to prove Himself in our heart and in our life. I'm challenging you this morning, be the ecclesia, be the called out ones, be those filled with power from on high who will say, God, I believe you for big things, for great things, for things I have never seen before. This is in your notes, but you need to remember it. How you pray says a lot about what you think about God. How you pray says a lot about what you think about God. If you only pray about little things, then you've got a pretty little God. If you only pray about things you can manage, you've got a pretty small God. Oh, isn't it time to pray the prayer of the apostles? Isn't it time to say, Lord, you've heard what they've said, but we're asking for boldness to speak your word, stretch out your hand to heal, let signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, God delivered. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. When you pray, pray in faith, believing that when I pray, before I even say amen, the answer has been sent. God delivers. God delivers. Says the place where they were meeting together was shaken, and once again they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. I'm here to tell you we miss some pretty amazing things. Because our faith is too small. Our vision of God is too small. Our concept of who He is and what He can do is so limited. Oh, come on, church. Church isn't about what we see. It's not about this room. It's about you and I being filled with boldness and filled with power and being witnesses unto Him. Determining that God can call us and use us to change the world. I challenge you, pray bigger prayers than you've ever prayed before. Pray bigger prayers than you've ever prayed before and see what a great God you really do serve. Number three, if we're going to be the ecclesia, the church that is filled with power, if we're going to move in the spirit of Pentecost, then we have to exchange our fear and doubt for strength and courage. Acts chapter 5, the apostles had been imprisoned for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They locked them up. But the angel of God arranged a jailbreak. It's really an interesting thing. Because as they were locked up, then they went to get them out of prison the next morning. And the Bible says that when the soldiers, the captain of the soldiers went to get them, he reported, well, I went to the prison, the doors were locked, the guards were in place, but those dudes we put in there, they were nowhere to be found. Then someone came and said, those guys you jailed yesterday, they're back in the temple teaching and preaching in Jesus' name. 
And look at it with me in Acts chapter 5, verses 29 through 32. Peter and the other apostles, this is when they're brought back for the Sanhedrin, the religious rulers, because once again, they're doing what they're not supposed to do. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we had to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Did you catch the connection? He said, we're witnesses. We were there. We saw it. We saw you kill him. We saw him rise again from the dead. But not only that, the Holy Spirit who is on the earth today also gives that same witness to those who obey him. Oh, come on, folks. To say in the day of the apostles is gone is wrong because the Bible clearly says the Holy Spirit gives that same witness, the witness of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to all who obey obey him. I don't know about you, but I want to be one who obeys Christ. I want to bear witness to the fact that Jesus is no longer dead, but on the third day, he rose again from the dead, and the Holy Spirit of the living God is now living and dwelling in my heart and in my life, bearing witness to that fact. Read it. We need to exchange fear and doubt for strength and courage. When you go back to Joshua chapter 1, three times in Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua, be courageous and fear not. Be courageous and fear not. Now, he had a lot of things to fear. He had to take the children of Israel across the Jordan, which was at flood stage. The first city he had to encounter was Jericho, which was a massively fortified city that had never been conquered. God said, fear not. In addition to that, he had a couple million people that all they did was gripe, grumble, murmur, and complain. God said, fear not. Be strong and be courageous. Oh, today it's time for you and I to take the instruction to Joshua and put it down into our spirit as well. To say, we will not fear. We may not know tomorrow, but we know the God who holds tomorrow and he's going to see us through. We will not fear. We will not fear. Matter of fact, I want you to understand that fear is not simply an emotion. Second Timothy chapter 1, you ought to read the entire chapter. It's not in your notes, so write it down. Read the entire chapter of Second Timothy chapter 1 later today. Because in that chapter, Paul is telling Timothy to stir up the gift of God that is within him. To use the gift, to walk in the calling that God has placed on his life. Don't be bound by fear is what he's saying. And then verse 7, he said, for he has not given you a spirit of fear. Now, I want to pause right there and help you understand something. The fear that incapacitates, the fear that paralyzes, the fear that immobilizes the church of Jesus Christ is not an emotion. It is a spirit. And it's a spirit that does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. Paul said, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power. Oh, I love that. Come on. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What are you going to receive? Power. And the Spirit of God is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So when we understand those things, then we understand that's all in the context of performing the work of God in my life. Walking and operating in the calling of God that has sought my life. Fulfilling the assignment of God that God has placed in me and over me. So in that fear that immobilizes, 
That fear that causes your mouth to clench when you need to tell somebody about Jesus comes on you. You don't simply say, well, it's just the way I'm made. I'm just a timid person. No, you rebuke the spirit of fear and walk in the power of God and see what God will do in you and through you. It's a spirit of fear. Overcome that spirit through the power of the living God. Fear and faith cannot coexist. Likewise, strength and courage will not be in the same place as fear and doubt. They are more than feelings. They are actions to be taken and territory to be conquered. So when we meditate on God's Word, we don't allow the spirit of fear to overcome us, but we walk in the place God has called us to walk. Because God has not called us to walk into a place but what He has already equipped us to deal with those circumstances and situations. So we exchange fear and doubt for strength and courage. Number four, we prepare for new things. We prepare for new things. That's Exodus Acts chapter 10. Previous to this time, only the Jews had experienced salvation through Jesus Christ. It wasn't a gift that was given to the Gentiles, even though Jesus prophesied that it would be. To this time, it was contained in Jerusalem and Judea and the Jews who had came in for that period of time of the Passover. That's all that had heard the message. But in Acts chapter 10, God begins to broaden the borders. God begins to open the doors. God begins to say, I'm going to show you how this thing of the gospel is for everybody. And he sends Peter down to Caesarea to the household of Cornelius, who was a Gentile, a Roman. And Cornelius was a devout man, a just man, it says. Peter went and he preached Jesus to them. And look at the scripture with me from Acts chapter 10, verses 42 through 46. It says these words, while Peter was yet speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. Those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. In other words, those that came with Peter who were Jews, who had already received the gift of God, were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Oh, I want you to hear me this morning. When God chooses to reach a people, man will not stand in his way. God prepared Peter for that moment. He sent him. And as Peter stood to declare the works of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit fell on that Gentile crowd. And what the Jews had received on the day of Pentecost, they received those years later. That's amazing. As God opened the door and made it plain, my gospel is to all peoples in all nations. We need to understand and remember our heritage is wonderful. But our heritage is there to remind us of what God has done, to build our faith for what He's going to do tomorrow. Listen, I'm going to step on some toes right now, but that's okay. You have to love me anyway. God doesn't live in 1987. And when we kept looking back saying, oh, I wish for those days when it was so wonderful, we have already missed where God is at. God's not in 1987. It's 2017. It's time to stop looking back and begin pressing in and moving forward and saying, God, do what you want to do today. I hear it so much. Oh, but the music was so great in 1987. It was. I loved it. But it's great today, too. The problem is that you haven't moved with God. 
God is not static. He's not sitting in that place. He's not waiting for you to circle back around to 1987. The Bible says God is like a wind. The Spirit is like a river. He flows where He wills. He blows where He pleases. Oh, come on, church. God's not in 1987. He's here in 2017. And it's time for you and I to stop looking back, start looking forward, and grab the promise of God for today. Because listen... The anointing of 1987 is not an anointing that will break the yokes of 2017. The blessing of 1987 is not a blessing that will set people free in 2017. We need to realize that we appreciate where we have come from. We thank God for our past. We praise Him for our heritage. But we are not camping out back there. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. That's what the Ecclesia does. The church? The church builds monuments to 1987. The church builds great ideology and philosophies about what God once did. Oh, I'm telling you, you can go into churches across the nation today, and they're filled with form and tradition and ritual that all date back to some point prior in their past. Oh, come on, friends. God wants to do a new thing. He wants to breathe fresh life. He wants to prove himself once again. Will you step out of the past and follow him into the present and future? That's what he wants you to do. You've got to prepare for new things. Peter was a Jew. He didn't want to go down there and talk to Cornelius. But God prepared him for that encounter. God prepared him for that outpouring. I'm telling you, he's preparing you this morning for something you've never dreamed or imagined. He wants to do something in you and through you that's beyond your wildest dreams. He wants to use you in ways that you could never, never begin to visualize. If you'll simply say, God, prepare me for new things. Prepare me for new things. And we understand that when God does that, He often breaks a lot of our molds, doesn't He? He breaks a lot of our boxes to pieces, doesn't He? He does things that challenge our thinking and challenge our culture and challenge our religion. Because God's not back there. God's here. And God's leading us forward. So we need to understand that if we are going to prepare for new things, the Word of God's got to be in our heart. The Word of God's got to be driving our lives. The Word of God overcomes our fear of moving beyond the past and reaching forward to what He has today. And lastly, number five, we have to position God's presence to guide our lives. Acts chapter 13, the Bible talks about, let's just read it. When we looked at those verses of Scripture, it makes it very clear. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Then drop to verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Several things I want you to notice there. The gifts of Ephesians 4 were operating at the church of Antioch. There were apostles, there were prophets, there were teachers, there were evangelists in the church in Antioch. And when the Spirit of God began to guide them because they positioned their life to be led by the Spirit of God in the presence of God, then God said, there's two guys over here, Barnabas and Saul, that I want you to separate and I want you to send. Listen to me, church. It's not all about gathering, it's about sending. 
We need to understand that is the call of God. Too many times the only thing we're interested in is how many people are in our pews on a weekly basis. When God is saying, how many are you sending out? How many are going in my name? How many have you commissioned? How many have you supported? That's why missions are so important here. It tells us we are sending. But it's not just globally. We support the Phi Center, the Women's Pregnancy Center right here in town. We support the Woodlands Addiction Recovery and Teen Challenge. We support Good Samaritan. People who are doing things in our committee, in our community. Do you understand that's a part of sending? A part of taking the gospel? A part of enlarging our reach and expanding our base of ministry so that people can know Jesus Christ? I guarantee you, there are people that Glenn and Beth Burns and Mike Mahan will reach that you and I will never touch. Our paths will never even cross. But because they're a part of who we are, and we're a part of who they are, because we're sending them every single day of the week, we're responsible for that success as well. That's what the church does. The church sends people, not simply gathers people. Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. Moses said to God, God, if your presence doesn't go before us, we're not going. You see, church, that's got to be our attitude. Lord, we're tired of our plans. We're tired of our programs. We've realized that we can't do this unless your presence proceeds. Unless your presence leads. Unless your presence guides us and directs us. Only then can we be assured of victory. So you need to remember it. You will never take the land God has assigned to you. We as a church will never do what God has called us to do until the Spirit of God takes the lead until His presence guides us, until He leads us to those places He wants us to go. In the next few years, we're going to be taking the gospel to places we have never taken it before. We're going to be seeing things done that we have never imagined. Matter of fact, I sincerely believe that in the next few years, the whole dynamic of missions is going to change. You know, Ann talked to us this morning about career missionaries serving in Africa. And I am so thankful for that. But realize, because the church is anemic in America, many times those missionaries are underfunded in Africa. And it becomes a problem. I believe the future of missions is not career missionaries coming from America to Africa and being supported by a church base. The future of missions are young men and young women just like Courtney. Courtney's a senior at Florida State University. God is calling her to do something with her education that is amazing and marvelous. God is going to use her this summer in the country of Ghana, working in an orphanage under the authority of the government, under the authority of Florida State University to take Jesus to some boys and girls. That's the future. That's what we need to buy into. Courtney, tell us what you're going to be doing. Good morning, Christian Heritage. Yes, Pastor has been teaching a lot about the church and what it looks like. And it is easy as Christians to have these preconceived ideas of missions, uh, what they look like, what they should or shouldn't look like. And I just truly believe that missions are whatever God puts on your heart, what God gives you a tenderness to. As a young girl, I felt um, the desire, the tenderness to do work in Africa. So the fact that this opportunity has even presented itself is just nothing but answered prayers. Um, I will be spending the next two months in Ghana working in a village called Larabanga. Um, it's a very small village, very poor village. Um, I'm staying with the family, a host family. 
Um, the organization that I'm working with is non-Christian, as Pastor said. But it's okay because I am the ecclesia. I am the church. So the opportunity to go and to be the living church somewhere else where I may not be comfortable or I may not be used to the culture or the scenery or whatever else is okay because God rids that fear. So I just ask that you guys would join me in prayer. Please prayer. Um, a time of fasting if that's normally in your spiritual walk um, as I prepare to depart and go and be a vessel and to minister and to be used by God in this area. Amen. So this morning we're going to help Courtney. Yvonne and I met with her a couple weeks ago. We had lunch and I said, so what do you need to go to Ghana? She said, well, actually, God's already supplied all my needs. All the, everything is taken care of and paid for. But, you know, I've been in a lot of places, been on a lot of mission trips, and what I know is there are always surprises. Even though we think it's done on the front end, there's always surprises. So we're going to help her this morning. Ushers, would you come? We're going to receive an offering to send Courtney to Ghana this summer where she's going to take the message of Jesus Christ to an orphanage where she's going to sow good seed into the hearts and lives of those boys and girls and the other staff and God's going to use her and I'm looking forward to when she comes back in August and we hear the great things that God has done because Courtney said I'm willing to be a missionary. See she understands the landscape of missions is changing. What it looks like today it will not look like in a few years and God is calling young men and young women just like Courtney out of our colleges and universities out of our churches to go to take the gospel to those who have never heard. Her education is not in Christianity. Her education is not in ministry or preaching. Matter of fact, I think you said your major is poetic writing, right? Poetic writing. But God's going to use that to take the gospel to those who haven't heard. So this morning, let's be the church who chooses to send and not just store up and, and count those who can be here every Sunday. But let's send them out. Make your checks to CHC. This offering in its entirety goes to help Courtney with this trip. She leaves in two weeks. And I'm going to challenge you to be the church and pray with her and pray for her every single day that she is gone. She's going to join Yvonne and I out on Main Street when we conclude the service. And I want you to put your arms around her and I want you to tell her, Courtney, I'm going to pray for you every day. Every day. If she has needs, she'll email them to me. We'll share them with you because she is a missionary that's going out in the presence of God. So in order to be the church, the presence of God has to go before us. And when he does, then we will take the land as God leads us. The last thing I want to tell you this morning is this simple statement. We should never let fear forecast our future. We should always allow faith to forecast our future. We should always know that our lives are in God's hand and God is leading, guiding, and directing us. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now over Courtney. I pray the mighty blessing and anointing of God on and over her life. I pray that huge doors of opportunity would be open to her when she is in Ghana. I pray that her ministry would not only encompass that orphanage, that it would spread to the nearby villages and towns and cities. Lord, I pray that you give her ear with dignitaries and authorities. Give her opportunity to speak words of life to those who have never heard. We ask for your favor over her life, your protection over her life, and I pray for a mighty anointing of Jesus Christ to fall on her right now. An anointing that breaks yokes, that opens doors, an anointing that binds the spirit of fear and brings only faith and favor into her life. 
I pray it in Jesus' name. God bless you as you give this morning. And as you're giving, I want to challenge you. If you have a need in your life today, we want you to stand where you're at and come. Because we're going to pray for you. We believe the church is in a position through the Holy Spirit to see the power of God flow into your life. So if you have a need physically or spiritually, emotionally, a need in your family, your job, your workplace, a need in your education, it doesn't really matter. As you receive your offering, I'm going to ask the elders and deacons who are here to stand and come. Line up across the front. Elders and deacons, would you come please? And they're going to pray over those who have needs this morning. Regardless of your need or the nature of your need, come stand in front of one of our elders and deacons and they're going to pray over you, pray for you, and believe God to touch that need in your life. Because we believe after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. You are the called out, the chosen ones, those who God uses to touch hearts and to touch lives. As they're lining up across the front, if you have a need in your life today, then I encourage you to step out and come and let one of these individuals to pray with you. They'll agree with you and they'll believe God for you. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.